From the moment we're born, we're identified by what's between our legs. We're either a boy or a girl. And as we grow up, most of us live out our lives according to that grid. Girls wear dresses, play with dolls, and throw make-believe tea parties. Boys, well, they wear pants, play football, and have no problem getting dirty. But what happens when a little boy insists on wearing a dress to school? Or the first sentence out of a little girl's mouth is, I'm a boy. Good morning, I'm George Boraki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. On this morning's show, we'll explore the world of transgender children, teens, and adults. Glad you're with us. Hi, my name is Erin. I'm from Park Slope, Brooklyn. I'm 24 years old. I refer to myself as transgender. I came out about three months ago. How did your parents take it? One took it really badly, and the other is trying to work with me. Was it your dad who took it harder, or your mom? Actually, my mom took it hard, and my dad's been trying to work through it with me. So, Why do you think your mom is taking it so hard? She's conservative. I mean, she's very, like, proud of masculinity and... It's funny that you say that because some people would expect the dad to take it harder than the mom, right? Yeah, everybody says that to me, but I mean, everything's been a gender revulsion all in my life, so why should that be any different? Were you just a little kid when you realized that you are truly a girl? You feel like a girl? From a young age, I had this fascination with what it would be like to be a girl. Like, I kind of, like, wanted to try. Like, I wasn't... Because when you're growing up, I mean, like, people tell you you're a boy. I mean, you're going to believe that, and, you know... In my family, which is pretty conservative, you know, boys act like boys, it's shameful to act feminine, and, you know, you do your best to fit in. I would imagine that was hard for you. Yeah, I mean, it was like living somebody else's life, really, you know, it's, you always try so hard to fit somebody else's definition of what's normal, and you just end up unhappy, like, you do everything you're supposed to, and for some reason it's not enough, like, there's a missing piece. Why did you wait until you were 24? Did you have thoughts of doing it earlier? Like I said, I mean, when I was younger, you know... I tried my best to conform to being a boy, and it's because that's what was expected of me, and any differently, and, you know, I risked being ostracized or, you know, otherwise cast aside, abused, and I didn't really want to deal with that, and it's not until I matured and got older that I had the courage to confront my own inner self. Did you suffer bouts of depression? Did you feel pretty bad about yourself? I've dealt with depression my entire life, and it's been pretty severe at times. But ever since coming to terms with my gender issues, I have felt a million times better about myself. I'm rarely depressed nowadays. You know, I have energy to do things. I'm confident in myself. I care about the way I look. You know, I, I date. I build personal relationships. Like, everything that I always had trouble with my whole life is now just come so much easier to me. Erin's not alone in having parents who can't easily come to grips with their kid's gender identity. A lot of parents are left dazed and confused when hit with the reality that their child is transgender. Stephanie Brill is the co-author of a new handbook that aims to help parents and educators get a better understanding of transgender kids. I think that most parents don't ever question whether they'll have a boy or a girl because they assume that they'll know that from the moment that they see the child's anatomy or from the time that they've heard that in an ultrasound. But actually, the only thing that that reveals is the anatomical status of a child, whether it has a male body or a female body. It doesn't necessarily reflect whether they will experience themselves as a boy or a girl. 
Why do you think we put so much emphasis on gender? We use gender as markers, so we like to be able to define whether someone is a boy or a girl, or a man or a woman. I think that it has served us historically for many different reasons, but those same reasons can exist even when someone is transgender. For example, if we wanted clarification with what roles are in society, well, we know that feminism has started to unlock those roles, showing that girls are allowed to do what have much more freedom than they used to be. They are not just relegated to the kitchen and the home anymore, as we know. But we haven't afforded quite that same freedom to boys. And we set this up right from the get-go. I mean, we paint a boy's room blue and a girl's room pink. Not only that, but studies show that from the time a child is born and newborn, if you don't know what sex the baby is, all people speak to children in a sing-songy voice. As soon as they're aware that a child is a male, they lower their voice. So even the way that we speak to babies genders them. And does that affect the child as they develop? I do think it affects the child. There's sort of a social development of gender. And so there are many cues that adults and other older children give to a child as to whether they are acting appropriately for their gender or not. From the time that they are very small, studies show that from the time a child is 18 months old, in fact, they'll turn away from a toy that they've been corrected against because of their gender before they're two years old. And so for people for whom gender works, the system works, maybe this doesn't impact them in a negative way. However, for children for whom their preferences cross what's expected of them, so a child, a boy, for example, who just really loves to play with dolls and happens to enjoy the color pink or maybe even prefer to have his hair long or wear soft clothing, those are his preferences, but he's told repeatedly by the outside world that those preferences are not okay and therefore he's not okay. Can a boy enjoy playing with girls' toys or dressing like a girl without being quote-unquote transgender? Absolutely, and I'm really glad that you bring that up because the majority of gender-variant children, that is the majority of children who do not fit into the stereotypical gender boxes, are not transgender. They simply have preferences that cross over what's expected of one gender or the other. A transgender child, on the other hand are children who identify as the other gender and become extremely unhappy, depressed, sometimes even suicidal if they're not permitted to express their true self. It's about their gender identity. A gender identity is someone's deeply held internal sense of being male or female. So a transgender person's gender identity, once again, their sense of being male or female, differs from the anatomy of their body. That's very different than just having preferences for what colors they like or who they want to play with. It's about how they feel about themselves deeply on the inside. That's a much smaller number of gender-variant kids are actually transgender. It's important to acknowledge that that's a normal part of the spectrum, but it is a much smaller number. And that may or may not continue as they get older. Correct. For some people, it's a phase, and they just you know, happen to like these things when they're younger. And for some people, all the way through adulthood, they are gender nonconforming as part of who they are. I must mention, however, that it's not a determinant also of sexual orientation. A lot of people think, oh, well, these kids are just going to grow up to be gay. Indeed, some of them will, and indeed, most of them won't. Just like all children, some of them will grow up to be gay, 
and most of them won't. How early in life, Stephanie, does a child typically realize that something is not the way it should be as far as their bodies are concerned? So I run a support group both at Children's Hospital Oakland and Children's Hospital Seattle. And what I have found through running those support groups, once again, support groups for parents of gender-variant children and transgender children and teens, the majority of parents enter into those support groups with children under 8, and the majority of them have said that their children have been expressing a cross-gendered identity, a transgender identity from the time they could speak. About 18 months to two and a half years is the most common time that a child announces who they are. Now, they don't say, hi, I'm transgender. They're just saying, I'm a boy. I'm a girl. It's startling to a parent to see this when it's presented consistently and persistently over time, day in, day out, 24 hours a day, because it's unexpected. However, for parents who are raising typically gendered children to assert, you know, consistently and persistently that they're a boy or a girl, as is true to their anatomy, as was presumed, it's not startling at all. It's considered age-appropriate. It is age-appropriate. This is when children come to know what their gender identity is. Cross-gender children, transgender children, those are words that mean the same thing, recognize themselves at that same age as well. 18 months to four years is the most common time. Not the only time, but the most common time. I would think that the typical parent reaction is to correct the child. No, you are not a girl, you are a boy, or vice versa. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I don't discourage such parenting practices initially because it's possible that the child is confused and is just trying to say, well, I want to be like sister, or I want to be like brother, or can't I play with this toy, or... You know, we don't know what a child is saying, so absolutely a parent's initial response is to correct them. And in fact, that phase usually goes on for quite some time until they realize that their child is experiencing distress and usually increasing amounts of distress at not being listened to and not knowing how to reconcile how they're experiencing life with what they're being told. So what signs should you look for specifically? Well, it's interesting. I think that it's very important to try to figure out and try to ascertain what's happening with a child of any age. Are they have experiencing gender nonconformity in terms of their personal preferences and how they like to look? So once again, in terms of their social gender? Or are they really clarifying the difference between that and the additional, this is how I feel on the inside? So really listening to a child rather than trying to get them to be quiet or trying to get it to go away, but asking questions, looking for clarification. If it seems to be persisting and seems to be potentially more than just a phase, to really reach out and try to get some extra support. You write in the book that many pediatricians simply don't understand transgender. Of course they don't, and that's by no fault of their own. It hasn't been included in their medical training. And so they have just the same biases that any other average human being who hasn't had training about the issues of transgender issues in childhood would have. Transgenderism is still officially considered a mental illness in the United States, isn't it? It is, and yet it isn't. Clinically on the books, it is a diagnosis that is available to be used in the category of mental illnesses. However, There's a large movement within the transgender services, so people who provide services for transgender people, to get that removed as a clinical diagnosis of mental illness 
I remind you that it was not very long ago that being gay or lesbian was also considered a mental illness, and that has changed and been removed from the books. Now social understanding is turning to gender diversity and understanding that this, too, is a natural part of human expression, just less common, and so hopefully will be removed from a mental illness category soon. Stephanie Brill, the book is The Transgender Child, a handbook for families and professionals. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Girls can wear jeans and cut their hair short, wear shirts and boots. Is it okay to be a boy? But for a boy to look like a girl is degrading. Because you think that being a girl is degrading. But secretly, you'd love to know what it's like, wouldn't you? What it feels like for a girl. You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning. I'm George Boldarki. On this morning's show, we're exploring the lives of people who step outside of the pink or blue box. It's not hard to wrap your head around the fact that someone's gay, but as we're learning this morning, issues involving transgender people aren't as black and white. Earlier in the show, we heard from a 24-year-old transgender woman from Brooklyn. We met her outside the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Community Center in New York's Greenwich Village. That's also where we met a group of other people who were also very candid with us about what it means to be transgender. Here are those interviews. My name's Elaine, and I hail from Atlanta, Georgia. And you're from Atlanta, Georgia. How long have you been in New York City? Uh, Two years uh, last month. I'm supposed to be talking about an issue about myself, which I'm transgender, and it's a broad issue. You know, I mean, it's it's as varied as as there are humans on the planet. My life doesn't mirror the, the normal transgender person's life because I'm educated. I've lived uh, from East Coast to West Coast. I've uh, worked on straight jobs. I've actually lived my life pretty much around heterosexuals. Has it been a struggle for you to gain their acceptance? Well, one thing about me I could tell you, I grew up in uh, in Atlanta. Uh, I grew up in a very loving environment. It gave me a sense of myself. And I was also allowed my anonymity to sort of experience my life as... uh, as what I was, you know. Not saying that, that my, my parents were 100% on board. I don't want to give that conception because it would be a misconception. But what I do want to say is that my family had enough love to see beyond the sexual aspect of my being and love me as a human. So the reason why I've been able to, besides being very attractive and smart and talented. Which, and tall. Yes, and tall, exactly, uh, and slim. But no, I haven't had any, to be quite honest with you, no, because, because I'm not on this planet to win a popularity contest. And the earth is big enough. If I got here the same way every other human being on this planet came here. And beyond the notion of uh, immaculate conception, I don't know anybody else that's made it here in that realm. So as far as... M- uh, it's not. I'm not here to be accepted by people. I, I, I respect people. I expect respect. 
Let me ask you this. How old were you when you realized you were a girl in a boy's body? It's like most people like me would tell you, that we, we know this at a very early age. So again, trying to nail down, a, uh, I can't even remember. I know I was very, 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 very young, you know, and, uh, and there were things that were attracting me much more than other things, dolls as opposed to trucks, you know, hair, long hair as opposed to butch haircuts dresses as opposed to pants. So, I mean, you just take all that together because really, actually, it's all drag anyway. I mean, you know, everybody, I mean, it, it's not like, um, uh, these are prescribed uniforms. These are not written down for scripture. These frivolous things that I do, like dressing like this, is a small ratio as to who I am as a person. Do you know what I'm saying? Because when you, we all can take this stuff off. Let me ask you this. You said that your parents were accepting. When did they allow you to start wearing girls' clothes as a child? <laughs> I just love this announcer because he's so scripted. You know, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's always goes, comes back to the aesthetics of what's going on in my life. I'm just trying to get an understanding of how you grew up. A lot of people may be going through the same thing, and parents are dealing with the dilemma. Do I allow my boy to dress like a girl? Is it something that they should be doing? That's for each individual to, 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 for themselves to make. But what I want to do and what I'm doing and the reason why I consented to this interview because, when, because the interview will speak for itself. People will understand when they hear me that it is much more, it's a much more intricate matter than the aesthetics. Can your child grow up and, 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 and have the self-esteem that this person on the radio is emulating through that box? Can I give my child the love and the encouragement to go beyond their sexuality and do great things in life? Or even to be a good human being? Again, these, if we stop defining everything in the materialistic sense, it's the only way that we're ever going to move ahead anyway. I'm Evie. I'm from downtown Manhattan. Okay, and how do you define yourself? She. <laughs> that pretty much covers it. But you were born a he, fair to say? Um, or not exactly, because not exactly. in your head you were born a she. Well, you know, it's this part of the whole problem of America is this whole binary gender sy system. It's like who you are in your head versus you know, who you present to people versus how you are with friends versus what gender you are when you're with a cat. You know, it's it, it runs the gamut. So, I mean, I think, you know, to, to reduce everything to a single binary is tedious at best. Pronouns, who needs them, right? Well, um, I understand people using pronouns to help communicate ideas about self. Most labels are shorthand, you know, in, in a way to, to communicate quickly. But the problem with labels is that, you know, as the problem with anything, um, the, the universe itself is way more complicated than the labels that we can attach to it. So therefore, whatever label that you come up with will be insufficient to cover the totality. When you were growing up, was it painful to hear people refer to you as he? To understand it this way was there was times when I was comfortable with he there were times when I was not comfortable with he. So it's, it's really a question of, you know, I think of it more like a DNA double helix. You know, it's, it's a strand of things 
cobbled together. There are many ways of looking at who you are. And sometimes I change my, you know, some days I feel more butch than others. And because if I feel particularly butch, then I'm not so off-put, if somebody were to say he. How long have you been living as Evie? How long have you been Evie? Well, the, the short answer is 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, 1 year. You know, it's like every aspect of life has got a different set of parameters. Um, I've been in a relationship uh, 7 years now. So with my partner, I've always been me. So, and let me ask you, because there is a difference between gender identity and sexual orientation. Your partner is a male or a female? Female. My partner is a female. And that was really, in a sense, part of what it was. this was about, was that, you know, um, I could have remained heterosexual, but heterosexual just so didn't work for me within the traditional gender system. So it was like, I can't, I can't have the kind of relationship I want to have if I remain, you know, male. And how old were you when you realized that you were really a girl in a boy's body? Well, you know, uh, that's also a... Why you rephrase that? How how should I phrase that? Let me ask you that. I would say, when did you first figure out that you were not going to fit into the gender binary? And that was probably like six or seven. And you lived for all of those years. A little later than some... um, and early, you know, and earlier than others, you know, I think there's no one answer that, that frames everybody's experience. What's your one piece of advice to that child who is feeling that way now? What would you say to that child? Because life out there is difficult enough as it is, try to find the place that you're comfortable with and go to that place. Um, resist the temptation to follow what other people think you should do because in the long run they're not going to have to live your life my name is Alyssa Harley and I'm from Brooklyn, New York okay, now do you refer to yourself as a transgender person? I do and tell me, first of all, how old you were when you first discovered that physically you were one sex but really in your mind you were another I was really young I was very young, maybe five years old but I didn't come out of the closet till I was 35. Wow, that's a long time, 30 years, three decades. How did you manage? Uh, a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering. And finally, one day I uh, told myself that my gender was not a disease. And then I decided that it would be easier to fight the world for my feelings rather than to protect the world from my feelings and fight myself. The other thing that helped me stay in the closet for a long time is that I am attracted to women. I was going to say we should point out that gender identity and sexual orientation are two different things. Well, as a, as a reader and a writer and a poet, I like to... Uh, the metaphor that I use is subject and object. I'm the subject, and that's female, and my object could be whatever it is. And that is the most confusing thing for people uh, who are trying to understand me I think yeah right off the bat most people think transgender gay indeed indeed and transgender is not gay uh, you know I don't even know what I would be sexually I mean like I, I hate to define it all I mean uh, I let other people do whatever they, say whatever they want so you were 35 years old when you decided to live your life as a female how much happier are you well the first year was complete joy and then it got hard why did it get hard? 
you never know how people are going to react, and uh, it it just uh, I was in school at the time, and I was interested in uh, teaching at a college level, and I went to a uh, Center for Lesbian and Gay Studies uh, conference that year and found out that there were no and at least the, uh, and this was about 2000 there were no openly transsexual people who had achieved ch- uh, tenure and so there were all these things coming at me at once it's it and there was a period I went back into the closet again even though I was living full time then and then you know you start to learn I mean you can't expect some of the people who have been kindest to me have been people who are regular churchgoers. Some of the people who have been most unkind are people who consider themselves members of the queer community. And I have to judge, I have to like accept each person one at a time because I don't know what someone's going to think. We often read about the high rates of suicide among transgender youth. Did those thoughts ever cross your mind, especially that you kept this a secret for so many years? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had Um, intense major depressions that I have survived and thrived after. But I'm a very good lemonade maker, and I think most trans people must be. Let me ask you, just to get a better understanding of your childhood, did you sneak off when your parents weren't around and put on your mom's clothing or try to dress like a woman or do what you wanted to do and no one was looking? Did you do that for years? Absolutely. And I had the worst makeup sense in the world back then. Absolutely. Um... It was really uh, a joy when I started, actually, I lost the fear of going into places and buying my own. That uh, was very healthy. And uh, the truth is, you know, if there's any trans person listening out there, you can go to Macy's and put on whatever you like, and they're not going to stop you. Uh, They want to sell clothes. So, you know, if you're someone out there just thinking about this, do whatever you can to feel safe. And... You can do a lot more than you think you can. That's what I think. And I understand what bravery is now. Bravery is when something that is right to do scares the heck out of you, and you do it anyway, and you grow from that. If we've learned anything so far this morning, it's that gender isn't as definable as we might think. New York City theater artist Taylor Max says he doesn't feel like a man or a woman, but something in between. Max's gender identity is a major theme of his artistic expression. Oh, the revolution, it won't be masculinized. I think of myself as a fool, as in the Shakespeare's Fools. People who can speak truths that other people aren't necessarily able to speak because the fool is dressed phantasmagorically. When you look at me, I'm not wearing fake breasts necessarily and trying to pass as a woman or even be a theatrical heightened version of a woman. I don't want you to think I'm a woman in any way, shape, or form. I'm really just trying to throw out my femininity and combine it with who I am in the normal, quote-unquote, normal world. I have such an extreme look that people will dismiss the extremity of what I say, <laughs> the extreme vernacular and the, and the positions that I take, and so they're able to kind of take it in a little bit more. 
I do have this song called The Revolution Won't Be Masculinized, which I've been singing recently for Lawrence King, who was this 15-year-old boy who was shot and killed in Oxnard, California in February by a fellow classmate. Lawrence would uh, wear makeup and high heels to school, and the classmate thought he was creepy, so he brought a gun to school and he shot him. Oh, the revolution, it won't be masculinized, brother. It won't be masculinized. You will not be able to ride bareback through the Wild West, brother. You will not have an Indian sidekick named Tonto to show your cool, liberal panache. I'm kind of just exploring about what is the range of a human being and what is the range of our existence. It's really an exploration and a celebration of that range is what I do. We've nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear itself, fear itself. I feel trannies are special. I feel that third sex people are special and drag queens are special and people that choose to live on the outskirts of life are special people. We're the shamans of society. My job as a theater artist is to get my audience to feel things, to remind them of their humanity. I have to find ways to surprise them because otherwise they sit through and they don't feel anything and that, that doesn't remind them of their humanity. So I'm not looking to shock people, I'm looking to surprise them. Taylor Mack is a theater artist in New York City. You can learn more about his work at taylormack.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Borarki. My thanks to producer Michal Niria. Have a great weekend. Fearful people.